Welcome to the Quo, a community of challengers, disruptors, and changemakers. I'm your host, Pyle Patel. Join me as I dive into stories at the intersection of gender, race, and social and economic issues. This podcast series spotlights individuals from various industries, disciplines, and walks of life who are challenging the status quo. Through interesting and thought-provoking conversations, the quote aims to elevate the voices and stories of endeavoring change agents in hopes of empowering communities and inspiring meaningful change within our society through education, advocacy, and the power of storytelling. Are you ready? Let's get it. One of my longtime idols, Ruth Gator. Ruth Bader Ginsburg famously stated that women belong in all places where decisions are being made. Yet in 2022, we are still struggling to achieve parity in positions that hold decision-making power. Now, if you've been a regular follower of the Quo, then you've heard me mention before that I'm on the local board for UN Women, which is the gender equality arm of United Nations. And one of UN Women's area of focus is working to increase women's political participation and expanding their representation in governing bodies and the globe, um, around the globe, which is why I'm really passionate about this. And it's also because women's presence in government is still significantly low. And we there's a lot we need to do around this, despite the fact that women and girls, by the way, make up half of the world's population. So essentially, our political leadership, which is making important decisions on our behalf every single day, and impacting our lives in significant ways is not yet reflective fully of the population that it's serving. And there's an intersectional layer to this too when you factor in race. So today's guest happens to occupy that intersectional space as a woman and as a Latina candidate vying for state office. Her name is Anna Valencia. She is the current city clerk of Chicago running for Illinois Secretary of State. A downstate Illinois native, Anna hails from a working class family her upbringing actually has played a major factor in how she approaches her work through uh, an equity lens. And as city clerk, she's often worked to make government services more accessible through innovative initiatives like Mobile City Hall, the City Key Municipal ID Program, and electronic voting in city council. Now she's looking to bring that same level of passion and commitment to equity, access, and innovation to the state level. And I'm personally invested in her success because for the past nine months, I've actually had the honor and pleasure of supporting Anna in her journey to becoming the first woman, first Latina, first mom to potentially serve as Secretary of State in Illinois history. And if elected, she would actually also be only the fifth Latina to hold a position in the nation. But the road to victory for her does not come without resistance. So I'm excited to bring her on to share some insights and perspectives specifically on the barriers of entry and the challenges women, especially women of color, are facing in attaining a seat at the political leadership table in hopes of bringing more awareness and working, collective, working collectively uh, towards meaningful change. So with that, it's my honor to welcome Anna. Hello. Hey, girl. Thank you for having me. I love your intro video. That was so cool. Thanks. Thanks so much. Well, thank you for being here and taking some time out of your crazy busy campaign schedule for this chat. Well, I said anything for you. You have been, so your listeners know you have been a critical piece to what we hope is a victory on June 28th. And everyone I talk to loves our digital platform. And so that is all you. 
So whoever listening wants to snap you up for all your digital creativity and thoughts. I was actually going through it the other day and I didn't realize you had highlights on there. So I was like going through the highlights and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the campaign trail. Like so many places and so many different faces that I've seen across the state. And it was just like kind of walking through memory lane. So thank you for being part of this journey. Oh, of course. No, it's been, it's been an honor. And it's also been really great to expand on that um, side of my skill set. I'm usually focused on like PR and comms and I'm like, and obviously digital is becoming a part of it, but I'm like, okay, this is allowing me to be, get creative and more innovative with um, digital media. So it's well, been you're really fun. Doing, I feel like you're still doing comms. And I think the critical piece is you're telling my story through visual and audio and I really was important to have women on board to help me tell my story in a unique way that felt like me. And I know we're going to get into this, but I remember when I first started to run on this journey, there were actually some older women in the Democratic Party who asked me about my child and whether or not I should have her engaged at all or keep her like hidden at home most, almost because it was going to be a hindrance where we really have brought that out, you know, with the campaign and and taken her out and made her part of the team and my narrative. And I think as women trying to run for office, that's like a very hard thing to figure out. Do we showcase that we're moms, you know, and working moms, or do we push that point behind us because we're afraid voters won't choose us because of that? Yeah. And so have you found that's resonated with, with people when you're out and about with um, your people beautiful two-year-old daughter, Rihanna, on yeah. the campaign trail? Love it. Um, it was actually funny because I was in Granite City for an event in March and someone came up to me with their two daughters and said, she's a working mom. And she said, you know, I'm so happy seeing you with your daughter on your hip as you're giving this, you know, speech about who you are because it makes you seem authentic and real and like connect and understand what moms are going through. And I also have dads that are, and just men that are like, keep doing, you know, keep doing your, Instagram stories with Rihanna. We love when you're on Instagram stories with Rihanna. So I find that people find it relatable. And I think everyone is looking more for authentic representation and leadership that understands who we are and understands our everyday issues that we're struggling with and, and get it, you know? So yeah, for sure. Okay. I think it's been a positive. I think so too. I think on the digital side, it's interesting. I was just sharing this with um, one of the, the other campaign team members that um, the posts with Rihanna tend to do a lot better than any other post. It's just, she steals a show. Like It's just so funny. Any post with her in it, you're likely going to get a ton of hits. Her personality now that she's two, she's really, or she's, I guess, a little bit older than two, but she, her personality is just like shining and I mean, you should see her at the park. She runs the park. She runs the playground. I mean, everyone wants to play with her and she decides on who she wants to play with and how long. And it's just hysterical to watch, but she's going to be a force. That's for sure. And I, I have a feeling she gets a lot of that from her mama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope all the good ones, good parts, but yes. Oh, for sure. For sure. So we're just a couple of weeks out from the primary election here in Illinois. I want to first ask you, how are you feeling? Well, I am drinking hot tea because I was at, I think, six churches yesterday, and we did two other stops. We had eight stops yesterday. Um, I have something this evening, and between, you know, between um, after this podcast. So, 
I could I could tell my voice was going yesterday. So I came home with some hot tea and I've got, you know, throat launchers. But I also feel good yesterday being at churches and being out and about. I love people and they energize me and they they really encourage me. And I feel I feel really good. I feel like that women are really going to come out and vote for us. They've been telling me on the trail, like we've seen your commercials, like we're going to vote for you. And um, so I feel good. It's just two weeks is it feels so close and yet so far. But we've been on this journey for 18 months. I've been running. 18 months. Is that insane? <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's wild that now I'm thinking I, I've been on it for half of it with you. Yes. And, and it feels like you said, kind of in ways really like long, but also it's like, I can't believe the primaries here already. I know. I can't, I can't believe you're right. You've almost been with me for almost a year and, mm -hmm. and it feels like yesterday it went by so fast. And there were days of course that went by very slow. Um, but I, at the end of the day, my husband and I are talking about this and we kept saying, okay, win or lose. And I said, no more lose. Like it's either win or win. There's two different scenarios of winning. Cause I already feel like I've won by staying in this race. I feel like we've ran a really good campaign. I've had solid people supporting us and working with us and great endorsements. And I'm proud of myself and I hope that other women can see things are possible and young girls like see what is possible. So either scenario, I feel like we win, which is a great place to be in two weeks out. Yeah, for sure. And you should be proud. I think it's also been um, so wonderful to see people react to you and, you know, in your story, because it's truly unique. What has surprised you the most about this experience? You've, you've run a campaign before as city clerk. This is obviously different because you're taking this to the state level. What's, what's been something that's really surprising? I feel like surprising enough, um, the people that, well, there's sorts of like people you think are going to be there with you that don't end up showing up the way you want them to. But then there are so many people, like double amount of those folks that you had no idea that just showed up and wanted to support. And you didn't see that coming, you know, and that's just like the encouragement around the state. So many local women elected, grassroots organizations, like all supporting me and like will send me photos of them out knocking doors or putting yard signs across the state. I think that was surprising for me to see like the excitement. Uh, I don't think as women, we always see ourselves like that. We're just here to do the work and get the job done. And, and we don't really always think about other people being invested in us. I'm always a giver. So being at the receiving end is kind of odd for me. I also think one of the other surprising things for me uh, was how much money we raised. We ended up raising $2 million for the campaign. I, if you would have told me that was possible, I would have been like, what? Uh, so to me, like that's a huge feat. And, you know, women have a hard time raising money to get into elected office. That's always an often barrier for people. Uh, so that was really surprising. And I've had just a lot of fun and, and great growth moments, uh, opportunities to grow in ways that I never thought I understand how much more I'm made of, how much, how tough I am, how resilient I am. And, um, those were all really pleasant uh, surprises. And I'm a woman of faith. And I feel like that is what God has really placed in my life is like growing me and, and stretching me for what is to come. Yeah. And I think that kind of hits on what you said earlier about it's a win-win situation, right? Because 
a friend of mine actually just said this recently that whether I succeed or fail, I win either way if I'm taking away um, a learning experience out of it. And so I, that that perspective was really great for me to hear too, as I as I navigate like you know my my current um, time right now. But um, I, I feel like that's also such a great perspective to have in a campaign, especially because it's so much like you're focused on, we got to win, we got to win. But the the journey along the way also kind of is a teaching moment. Yes. And well. I met this young, um, well, you know this story, but I met this young girl who is a Latina from Highland Park. She's 16 year old high school student. I met her on a Zoom like early May and she was just so inspiring to me. Like she was the only young person on the Zoom. She was there with her mentor and she asked great questions, but very similar background, like working class family will be first in her family to go to college when she goes to college. And it was about two weeks ago and I was kind of just discouraged. You know, you kind of go through these high and lows of the campaign. I was just having a discouraging day and I show up at an event in the suburbs and there she is, Stephanie Diaz. And I've been talking about her for weeks about how she's just like inspired me because I saw so much of my young self in her. And she wrote me this beautiful letter and made this button for me about reminding me that if we continue to support one another, we can get through anything and how me running inspired her to maybe run for office someday too. And so that to me, if you're able to make a difference in one person's life or one young girl's life, and I think there's so many stories like Stephanie out there, then again, it's a win-win because we were able to show young girls what again was possible. And so, yeah, I'm trying to keep in that mentality. So June 28th, remind me of that when I say, when I said that. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I got you for sure. Um, but I do want to also make sure that people understand that there, there are some very real struggles and challenges with being a woman running in this race. And, and specifically the goal here is, so people are aware and can help bring out change, right? Because uh, there, some of these inequities that exist, um, you know, they're, they're barriers to entry, in, specifically in, in politics. So like I mentioned in the intro, I wanted to get your insights on the challenges that women face, especially women of color, um, in political campaigns and elections. And I feel like you can offer a pretty good perspective here because in addition to running for office yourself, you've been a part of a few campaigns for other candidates in the past and helped many officials get elected throughout your career, both men and women. So what are some of the differences you noticed um, around the challenges encountered by women versus men? Well, I definitely think one, men just seem to like feel like they're qualified for everything. So they'll just run without even feeling like they need to be qualified or have a certain background where women oftentimes feel like they have to make, match like 80% of the position or the, the, the race that they're going to run to feel like that they're qualified to go for. I think that's something that we just um, innately are differently than men. I also think sometimes we don't always ask for what we deserve. And I don't know where that comes in, but I think that women always, some, some women, not all, feel like to be polite or to be liked or to people please, um, that we don't ask for what we are worth in terms of dollars or time or investment from or endorsements from people. And I certainly think that I kind of struggled at making that direct ask at the beginning uh, because I didn't want to make turn someone off or not make them to be a supporter. And so I think it's I think it's a fine line for women to have to always figure out how to 
you know, find their own leadership style. And I think that's the same in, in media interviews. I think that we don't have enough women or women of color reporting the news. And there's, you know, this unconscious bias towards people. If you don't have a sense of, um, you know, their story or, or, or have that lived experience. And I think that is also something we have to do better at is even in the media is have people who represent all of a state of Illinois reflected in who writes the news. And uh, I definitely felt that for women, you're held at a different standard than men counterparts in the news. And um, that you also are defined by your, for me, my spouse or defined by who you worked for another man and not really defined on your own record or who you are. And I've seen that not just happen to me, but seen that happen to a lot of different women uh, running for office and in leadership positions. And actually other women elected share those stories with me about um, their struggles with some of those things of being defined by the media and not being able to be defined by their own narrative. I also, you know, in terms of fundraising, like there still is a gap. Like we talk about the pay, pay gap, uh, a pay equity gap. There's a campaign raise equity gap. I mean, I would see, you know, men give to other men at a larger scale than giving to women, whether it was me or other women electeds. I've also often had these conversations with our women electeds. It's like why people don't run for office is that we can't get people to invest in us early on when you really need the dollars early on to be viable because our whole democracy, like the way we do this campaign finance reform is so needed. Because if you want more women, people of color to get into office, we don't come from large, wealthy families or networks most of the time. It's something we've had to build over time on our own. And tapping into those networks is really how you earn your early dollars. And um, unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of labor unions that were also led by white men endorse me right away or the big ones with big dollars. Therefore, it becomes a challenge of like, where are you going to fundraise your dollars? And then also, if you're spending all your days and evenings fundraising, when do you get to talk to people? When do you get to have time to create your policies and talk about what your vision is or what you want to do? And so I think the way politics right now is with the money in the game, it's, it's a turnoff for so many people to run. However, what gives me hope and why I'm still in this race because we got to change it, whether it's my win or another woman's win, we've got to change what's happening. And we only do that if we find quality candidates, if we put ourselves out there, if we're courageous enough to stay, to put ourselves in the arena and then stay in the arena. Because once you get in the arena, the attacks, if you become like a viable candidate, the attacks start coming and you really have to anchor into who you are and what you know to be true and have some really amazing friends. And for me, my family, friends, and faith have like been my core anchor and grounding to remind you of why. And for the Stephanie Diaz's to remind you of why you're in this fight and what is at stake and why you're going to stay in and be brave enough to go all the way. And we have to be supportive of women with our time, with our dollars. If we're, Hey, if we're ready to go buy a Maria Pinto dress, like we should be able to put those same dollar investment into a candidate we believe in as well. Um, that's the only way we're going to see change happen is with our, with our time and our dollars and our activism. And I am, I am honestly only here because there are so many women who said yes to me. 
Tammy Duckworth, Senator Tammy Duckworth, one of my earliest supporters, Congresswoman Lauren Underwood, one of my earliest supporters, Emily's List, my one of my finance campaign co-chairs, uh, Laura Ricketts, Mary Dillon, the former CEO of Ulta, Unite Here, Local One, majority of women and women of color who make up that union were one of my very first unions to endorse me. So there are so many brave women who said yes to me that gave me their dollars and their time and their activism. And that's why we're here two weeks out. Yeah, and it's really been great to see that kind of rally behind you. And I feel like it, the last couple of years, we're seeing a little bit more and more of this. And tw the 2018 midterms, right, that was like the, it was, that was a period when the most amount of women ran and were elected in, in one. Um, and won, right, in legislative positions. And that was, even though, though we, we, that was a successful, you know, period of time. The there is still a huge gap, though. If, when you look at like the percentage, the ratio of how many men are still, um, you know, in in positions of of political leadership. So we're moving in the right direction, but there's still long ways to go. And I was actually just reading that in the center of um, Center for Women, American Women in Politics at uh, Rutgers University stated that specifically women are struggling in primary elections and so if they can move past primaries and actually even make it on the general ballot then there's a fighting chance so there's you know something to be said there and and needing to also get that voter turnout around that time as well yeah i think that's a great point because you know i hate primaries are uncomfortable and they're not fun but um we have to put ourselves out there willing to you know stand up and go for it because if we don't again uh, we don't have a fighting chance to have representation or voice or seat at the table and i want my little girl who's two now to one day look back and see that her mom was brave and that her mom put herself out there for so many other women and girls to break a barrier and again if i don't break this barrier this time someone else will but at least i gave them a pathway and I blazed a trail and maybe hopefully a map to do it next time. And, um, and I'm, and, and regardless, like I'm very excited to lend my life to service of others. And I hope, I hope we can get other women and girls in there into these, into these slots it's about time. I'm tired of saying like the first, the first, like it needs to be the second and the third and the 50th. Right. It, right, exactly. I can't wait till we get to a point where we stop saying the first woman, the first person of color, woman of color, like, you know, it, it should just become as normal as a white man getting elected or getting a job in leadership. A white man being president again. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> just, <laughs> um, I can't wait for that day. And I hope that it's, it's not too far into the future. And, and, you know, like you said, your, your daughter and the girls of the next generation, um, feel like it's just more of a normal thing. And to that effect, I, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, what you have to say to those girls and, and the next generation of women who want to run for office, but might get discouraged by what they are seeing, um, you know, candidates like you facing. Actually, my first guest on this podcast was a young woman who's also in politics, and she actually happens to be a member of Team Valencia, Bushra Amiwala. Um, oh, who yeah. you know? Yeah, she was my very first guest on this um, on this podcast. Spooky board, school board, Correct. school board of education. Yes, 
Um, and in that episode, she shared with me that when she ran for office and she too was running against a, a white man, that she noticed that the media often asked her different questions than they asked her opponent, focused on different areas um, and focused on different areas for her. She, I think, mentioned specifically um, her fashion choices came up. And as you know, she wears a hijab. So her hijab came up as a topic, whereas her opponent's questions were predominantly focused on policy. And so um, that speaks to the the treatment that you know, female candidates get in the media, right? Like you said before, and I know you've been facing it fiercely. Yeah. Um, get another and, question about my emails? Yeah. I can't. <laughs> I, I don't know how you've like been. Like Hillary Clinton all over again, 2016. I'm like, really? We're here with the emails again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how have you been kind of just getting past all of that um, and, and continuing to move forward despite those types of really bizarre scenarios like Bushra has faced, like a lot of the other women that you've encountered in politics have faced. How do you kind of get yourself to push past it? Well, I'll be honest. It was not easy when the first stories came out and trying to figure out, I said this actually today to a group of um, these like faith leaders in government that came to speak. I spoke out today as city clerk, but they asked me something similar. And I said, when they first happened, like, the first attacks and, you know, the, the press, you're starting to think like, wait, you kind of feel shame. You feel guilt. You kind of feel like, is this, you doubt, you doubt yourself. Like it's meant to, which is what your opponent wants to do. They want to doubt yourself. Right. And you start thinking, wait, did I actually do something wrong? Like, and then, and then all of a sudden you're in the spiral and that's where I found myself at the beginning of it all was in a spiral. Um, just not knowing how to get out of it. And, for me, what helped was getting to the truth, which thank God I have amazing lawyers and amazing campaign team that helped me lay out the truth and the facts and then get those facts out to the media and to the other sources to say, hey, this is what the truth is. And then once I got my head wrapped around the truth, then going out and speak my truth and actually getting angry of like, how dare you try to tell me who I am or define me or go that low because you want to win. So it actually kind of fueled my fire to make more fundraising calls because I wanted to make sure we got up on TV. It gave me fire to go to more events and to go to every forum and practice my prep debate and all these things that I wanted to do to um, show up and stand in my truth and for people to know who I am and what my vision is. And I also found it to not want to be distracted by it. Like I wasn't going to play by their rules. And it's funny because someone from the campaign team, we talked about this, like we caught them off guard on my TV ad. Cause I think that the TV ad they wanted me to produce was to go on their, on their terms and talk about what they were talking about and, and the media were like, Nope, we're going to go and talk about our values and where our values are and where your values aren't. And I think that's very powerful is if you can come back and take back your narrative take back your power because it's your power. You are the only one who can give it away. And I'm not going to give my power to someone who does not deserve it. I'm going to keep my power to speak about who I am, my values and why I'm running. And if you can get back to the grounding of which me is my faith. So like prayer time is like necessary time every day to just have time to reflect and journal and pray on what I need to, which is usually a lot of peace. <laughs> I was like, please surround me in peace every day. 
And then also like go back to your why. Why did you decide to run for office? You know, why are you doing this? Why are you sacrificing time away from family and friends and your life and your health? Listen to my voice to do this. And I go back to the Stephanie Diaz's of the world. You know, I go back to uh, someone who I've had, who, this young Latina who's worked for me or um, a couple of my Chicago scholar students or my daughter. And those things like bring me joy and remind me of why I'm running. This is so much bigger than just me and my race. This is so much bigger than that. It's what I represent. And so if you can go back to your why and your values and your grounding and make sure you also only listen to people who have your best interest. Don't listen to the feedback like the blogs or the Facebook post. Listen to the people who love you and want and love you no matter what, whether you win or not, whether you have a title on your name or you don't. Those are the people you have to listen to in those dark days because they will remind you of who you really are. Yeah, I I feel like um, you're that's like so spot on with just any challenges that really come your way, right? In terms of um, any moments in which you think about throwing in the towel, which I'm sure that there are probably those moments you, you've had those days, right? Where you're like, what am I doing? Why am I here? Why, should, why am I putting my family through this type of thing? And then you come back to your why. Um, and this goes for any job, any, any career aspiration you could possibly have. And it's really, for me, also on the side of, of you know, managing your, your digital efforts, seeing some of the messages you get, it's just really, you know, that, that really does kind of remind you um, I remember this, there was this one time, I think you were in Aurora or Joliet, and um, you stumbled into a room with like little girls who were- Oh, the coffee shop. Yes. yes. And, and then the moms posted something like, my, my, I, I was, and they didn't know you, right? Just No, they didn't know me. Yeah. 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 The moms posted something about, I'm so glad my, my daughters have an example in her. And I like, I teared up. I was like, oh my gosh. I'm so <laughs> glad so you're making that because that is true. Yeah. I was in Aurora. And uh, they were at homeschooled and they were in the coffee shop I happened to be at. And they posted it and you sent it to me because you wanted me to see mm -hmm. it. You want to make me sure I saw it, especially on those down days that you talk about. Um, my sister actually, people have been texting me or sending me notes of encouragement. And my sister wants me to send them to her. She's like, I want to like print these out for you and make like a book or a binder. So one day if you're like having a low day, you can just pull it out and read all through of like all these people who are encouraged by you and, or how you've impacted their lives in some way. So that to me, again, is like what you have to hold on to. And we're so good as women. Why are we so good at holding back to that one negative comment that someone says about us? We're so good at like hanging on to that negative comment for dear life, but we're so bad at receiving all the positive feedback that we get from others. So we've got to work on that because I know I'm not the only one that suffers from that. No, I, I'm right there with you for sure. And even when you said the thing about um, women going out for jobs and that they're only 100% qualified for, I'm, I'm totally guilty of that. When I apply to jobs, I look at like all the qualifications and I'm like, do I meet like 100% of them? And I know for a fact that men don't do that. You know? No, they think like probably 50%, maybe 30%, or maybe they don't even read it and they just submit the resume. I mean, they just shoot their shot. Yeah. And, and I think that we as women also, uh, you know, the honest needs to be on us to sometimes just also 
shoot that shot. A hundred percent. Cause if you don't, you don't know. And that's the one thing I will never have regret about this race. I, you know, some days when you're, when you're again down, you start thinking, Oh, I should have done this. Or maybe I should have done more call time or maybe, you know, skip that event or whatever. But I'm like, no, I did everything I possibly could to win this race. And we have ran a very good race. And we've gotten, like, we have the governor endorse us and both U.S. senators. And oh, Congress wait, the, the, the incumbent. You Secretary have White endorsing us, a legend. Mm -hmm. I'm campaigning with the best people in Illinois. And so I, again, have no regrets about putting myself out there and taking this on because, again, this is bigger than me. And, um, you know, hopefully we're victorious, but either way, it's a win-win, like I said earlier, and I'm just, yeah. we, we made it this far. Agreed. And, um, to that end, before we wrap up, I do want to touch on the importance of voting in this particular, particular yes. election, right? Because we know midterm voter turnout, like I said earlier, is historically low in comparison to presidential elections and specifically the general election. Um, midterms don't tend to see the same level of voter turnout in primaries or even lower. So in your words, why should people vote in the primary and the general midterm election with the same level of urgency that they do during the presidential elections? Well, first, Roe v. Wade. Do we need anything else? I mean, the fact that we're sitting here any day now and Roe v. Wade could be overturned and, you know, protections that we've had our whole adult life that my daughter will not have the rights to make her own healthcare decisions about her own body, which is basic human rights. That is human rights, like 101. So that is, I don't know if you need anything else to motivate you, but also like our democracy, our, the insurrection was not too long ago. We're talking about now there's hearings. I mean, we have to come out and have urgency in every race up and down the ticket. Local judges matter. I mean, judges matter too, because you don't know who you'll be in front of or if they're going to be fair and equitable to black and brown communities who have often been, um, you know, have harsher sentences or not been able to have second chances as easy because mostly are white men serving as judges. So Make sure you do your research and you know who the judges are that have been rated highly, um, who, you know, your local state rep or state senator are. Those state senators or state reps could be responsible for holding the line and making sure that if Roe v. Wade is to overturn, that we have here in Illinois could give safe abortion access without any criminal charges. It's also if gay marriage goes at the federal level, the states are going to be also the protection, which you want to make sure you have a Democratic governor and a democratic house and state legislature because they will also again be making decisions to hold the line here gun control i mean that's something that we need at the federal level but also at the state local level so of all those things that you care about climate change all the things that we need to care about is on the ballot every single election just not midterms but primaries and your local mayoral races i think every single thing is important so People fought and died for our right to vote, and we need to take that seriously. Amen. Could have said it better myself. And people don't realize that, you know, once you elect the president, the, the work doesn't stop there. Not to mention that she or he cannot get their work done either without, you know, having support in all of the branches, like, you know, the legislative branch and the judicial branch. Like, it, they, there's a reason why we have all of that in place, and, and every election contributes to that. So, 
Um, those listening, you heard the woman. At, and as a reminder, early voting is officially underway um, statewide here in Illinois. Election day is Tuesday, June 28th, which happens to be my birthday. And as such, no I, I you have to win for your birthday now when we're throwing a huge birthday party. So. I am putting that out into the universe. I'm like, this is my birthday wish. Like, it's going to be a part of my wish for this year for sure. And my other wish is that those tuning in right now and who are registered to vote in Illinois, please go out and vote. Um, like we've been saying, every election matters and every vote counts. Local elections are actually where the real magic happens. And we have such an amazing opportunity to choose the voices that are going to represent us um, in our choices and in our interests. Democracy is a beautiful thing when people actively participate. So, and right now it needs you more than ever. So please go vote. And with that, I want to say thank you to Anna for not just joining me here for this important discussion, but for being willing to raise your hand, to step up, stay the course, despite all these crazy challenges that you faced and ultimately lighting the way for others. So thank you for continuing to challenge the status quo. Thank you. And thank you for being part of Team Valencia. I'm very excited to see um, all of you, what everything you do to and flourish. And I'm just a big advocate of women supporting women. So thank you for giving me the space and the platform to talk a little bit about the race. Yeah, of course. Thank you. It's funny. Well, um, vote for us, June 28th. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I was going to say, I'm like, that's that. That's what drew me to you and to your campaign. Because I, I just know, I knew firsthand, I heard from so many people. Anna really walks the walk. So go Team Valencia and go vote. Thank you. Hey, it's me again. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, and I really hope you did, please subscribe to the show on your favorite streaming service so that you're notified when new episodes are posted. Also, be sure to follow The Quo on social media at The Quo Media across all platforms for the latest and greatest. Thanks again for joining, supporting, and uplifting The Quo community, or as I like to call it, our cohort. Catch you next time.